0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.
1: Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast. Uh, This is a special uh, World Cup Digest podcast where we have Jonathan from the Wrong End of the Stick podcast joining us. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's it's very exciting to be here and to have a bit of a chat about the World Cup with you. Uh, It's also a pleasure
1: to host you. And, uh, you know, I've heard a couple of your episodes. I really like the banter you guys have when discussing things. I also realize you are more uh, fact or, let's say, stats driven and your colleague is a bit more uh, from the heart, so to say. Right. That's, and I like that's,
0: that. <laughs> yes, that's definitely the case. Yeah, I like a good, good stat. And um, yeah, but I do like the emotion of the cricket as well. But yes, I do like a good stat as well.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. So, well, uh, did you get into the World Cup? How, what are you thinking about the World Cup? How is it going for you?
0: Uh I'm really enjoying the world Cup actually um I mean but before it all started, I think I was a little bit hesitant of the format that it was going into. I would have preferred um sort of previous format that we had with like bigger with with different groups and more associate nations in um and I think still mm. think i would I would like that myself, but um, I've really enjoyed the game so far. It's nice having so at least one game every day that's been really good. Um, and it's it's it, it's done well in terms of just raising the the awareness of cricket uh, in this country really. Um, and we've had some really good games as well. Um, it's I did fear before the whole tournament started that um, we were going to get a lot of sort of 400 plus scores and it wasn't it was just going to be batting 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 and not not particularly interesting games. But it's really not turned out like that at all. So it's it's been much more interesting and varied games. Um, from what we've seen so far so long long may that continue and get a few more um close close games that we can watch
1: indeed well i mean look uh, even uh, you know after 34 35 games into the tournament if there is a chance that eight of the you know 10 teams can qualify for the knockouts that's fantastic right from uh, you know an encouragement perspective and from a competitiveness perspective that's a very good tournament i would say i was also a bit worried earlier there may be a few dead rubbers and there may be too many one-sided contests but that is indeed not the case. You're absolutely right that, uh, you know, this World Cup keeps us very engrossed. And, uh, yeah, for example, if you were to start off with uh, match number 33, this was on 26th uh, when, you know, Pakistan took on uh, New Zealand, right? Uh, did you have a chance to catch this match?
0: Uh, I did, yes. And it was um, a very entertaining match as well. It was, it was one of the more um, entertaining ones up there. Um, so if I if I sort of run us through it, so, um, so Pakistan um were bowling first um and they obviously have taken the victory in this one but it was quite a tight game actually um and new zealand have been one of the teams that i've been uh really impressed with with how they played so far and, and even when they've got themselves into trouble they they seem to have sort of found a way to win up until um this game actually so it was really interesting uh game to watch uh so um yeah it, it's it's been a a really interesting game um uh, to see and uh, yeah it was it was one with, uh, with with a lot of interest particularly given that New Zealand are going to be sort of in the semi-final and, and seeing how they may have against some of the bigger teams really. Indeed
1: would you like to take us through the score uh, highlights maybe?
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely um, So, um, well, New Zealand if it's sort of The biggest feature of New Zealand's uh, innings Was really the the loss of the early wickets um, So they came out And Martin Guptill was out very quickly In just the second over um, To leave the scores at, at 5 for 1 um, And then they also lost Colin Munro and Ross Taylor Within the first 10 overs as well Which left them on a, a 38 for 3 uh, So they're struggling a little bit there and, and I think sort of batting depth Is one of the, the areas where they may not be as strong as some of the other teams in the tournament and um as it sort of pro- proved to be later on um so um kane williamson um did uh sort of made a bit more of a, a contribution he um he came in uh and made a 41 um and he battered um so sort of for, for a while in there um they lost tom latham as well um which left them at, at or for um 46 for 4 sorry um and uh, obviously Williamson um did himself go out um which left them at um sort of 83 for 5 so it's it's they they struggled early on in their innings but they did then get a, a partnership together and uh, Nisham played uh what I thought was an excellent innings um and he he did um, what uh, a lot of England players couldn't do, and and sort of adapted himself to the conditions and and uh, pl- played uh, a game that's probably not the most natural to him really. Um, and he got a 97 not out off 112 balls. So um, I thought that was a, that was a very good uh, performance from him and uh, and good to see. Um, so he made uh, the majority of that with uh, Colin de Grandhomme as well, um, who made 64 before he got run out. Um, and then satna came in with, for just a few runs after that. So they they made a total of 237 for six off their 50 overs, uh, which I have to say did always feel um, a little short um, on 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 that game. Um, and I think I think the so the pick of the bowlers for for Pakistan would have been Shaheen Afridi, um Afridi, uh, who got three for 28 off his 10 overs, which is uh, fantastic figures um, there. So. Um, yeah and then and then pakistan was uh, was a much um better performance batting wise from them again um uh, there was still uh, a couple of early wickets in in sort of the first 10 or o- overs they lost uh, Imam al hassan uh fakhar zaman um for 19 and nine respectively, uh, but Babar Azam, uh, with 101 out, came in at number three for them, and again, a great innings from him, um, and that really set set the scene for for, for the victory there, um, with Mohammed Hafiz making 32 and uh, Haris Hill on 68. Um, before Sahil got run out and uh Safraz Ahmed came in to to get the final the final few runs um and uh yeah they made the score with about five balls to spare i believe yep so so just just sneaking in there before but it was it was a controlled innings um and i thought uh yeah Babar Azam had a played a played an excellent uh Excellent innings there. So, yeah, that was the the uh, Pakistan-New Zealand game. A very entertaining game. And again, not the most high scoring of games, but uh, it was uh, very entertaining and uh, in, in very closely uh, competed, really.
1: Well, um, first of all, usually New Zealand don't get a very strong start. Uh, Martin mm-hmm. Kapil hasn't really fired this tournament, neither has Colin Munro, though they keep them together. I don't know why they have not brought in Henry Nichols for, let's say, Colin Munro, right? Mm -hmm. But once these both have failed, uh, usually Williamson and Ross Taylor bring up, uh, you know, the total to a place where there is a steady platform on which you can build, right? This is one of those matches where Ross Taylor failed. And so did Williamson by his lofty Mm -hmm. standards, let's say. Tom Latham has been a complete failure. He's one of those, again, liabilities. He could be another case for Henry Nichols to replace uh, in the 11. But I think because he's the keeper, he gets to keep going, right? Yeah. Jimmy Nisham and uh, Colin home as you say, that was a wonderful, wonderful partnership. Look, at 4 for 46 or 5 for 83, it could be 130 all out from that point, right? Mm-hmm. But they did really well to, first of all, you know, see off uh, Shahin who was bowling like the wind, you know, yeah. um, this guy, this is a young kid. Huh? He just played under 19 uh, one year or so ago, but he, he had all these, let's say, technical deficiencies while he was bowling that... Experts from the Pakistani, you know, commentating setup had found, but somehow come at the hour, come at the man, or come at the match, come at the man, and all those technical deficiencies apart, this guy delivers. And I -hmm. think at some point in time he had a analysis of seven overs, three uh, wickets for 11 runs or some such. that's Mm -hmm. like fantastic. In the end, he went for a few runs, but uh, that's that in itself is very much almost a match winning spell, right? But then Pakistan also followed that up well with Shadab Khan just conceding, you know, 43 runs of his 10 overs, and then Hafiz himself, 22 runs of his seven. They kept the pressure around, and what I appreciate is Jimmy Nisham and Colin DeGrant home deciding, let's bide our time, you know, mm-hmm. let's not go for glory of 300 and maybe become 150 all out, let's bide our time, time. let's take, you know, uh, 240, 250 if possible, and Nisham probably paid, played his best one-day innings so far, right? 97, he was really unlucky that he couldn't finish with 100. He had a strike on the last ball, but that was a good ball. And then Colin de Granholm, he's playing his second really good innings, 64 uh, of 71. And then uh, again, the previous match, he had uh, done the same with Kane Williamson. This time he did it with Nisham. So he's showing his value in this 11. Then when it came to the chase, you can say this was not a very competitive total, but the pitch was stardgy. There was a bit of, I think it was gripping and turning for spinners, right? If Imam Ul Haqq and Zaman had made a solid start, let's say 54-0 or 64-0, probably a lot of the anxiety would have been finished. But then they both got out cheaply. But then Babar Azam, this is the danger guy. I think he got one uh, catch that I think Tom Latham dropped off Santner. I think he was not at 50 then. That was probably the turning point of the match for me because uh, him and Hafi sort of, again, steadied the nerves. They got the total to past 100, right? Hafiz fell after that. But then I think Sadna was bowling well. They did really well to see him off. He was getting balls to rip off the pitch and at reasonable pace, right? And then uh, Hari Sohail, I, this guy was sort of uh, warming the bench because they uh, they chose uh, the other guy, Shoaib Malik. So once they decided the experiment was finished, when, as soon as uh, Hari Sohail comes in, he's showing his worth. This is second very telling contribution, right? 68. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then along with Baba Razam, he literally finished the match. You know when he ran himself out, so to say, uh, Martin Guptill probably ran him out. It was almost Jaunty Road style, but the match was finished. Everything bar the shouting, as they say, and somehow Pakistan managed to take it into the last over, but they won it comfortably, right? So when you look at it, it was actually a comfortable victory. But when you look at the scorecard, it looks a little bit closer than it should. Probably they should have finished in the 47th or the 48th over. Yeah. The one thing you see is well, uh, Lockie Ferguson bowled really well. His spell doesn't actually, or his figures don't show that. Eight, eight and, uh, 8.1 overs, fifty for one. And then Bolt, of course, I think finished better than it looks because he was actually a bit costly in the beginning. Matt Henry was OK. But then, uh, as I said, Santner, they played him out. You know, somebody before the tournament, I think in one of the other shows, had identified New Zealand could be one of those teams that suffers because of lack of penetrative fourth and fifth bowlers. This was mm-hmm. one of those matches that showed up. You see, they have Santner. He's a good bowler, no doubt. But he's not, he's not a Kuldeep Yadav. He's probably not an Adil Rashid. He's not going to rip out the heart of a batting line Mm-hmm. So that way, they were probably a bit hamstrung there That's one thing And then Kane Williamson himself decided to bowl And he did not do too badly I mean, um, he I think he was talked a bit towards the end He got a couple of boundaries out of him Otherwise, it could have been tougher prob- probably Because the r- run rate was always going to be 6 uh, Going into the last couple of overs So I think Pakistan did well there So all in all, it was actually a very comfortable victory So, you know, uh, I have to ask you one thing uh, do you believe in all these coincidences that people comment about about the 1992 World Cup and the uh, <laughs> 2019
0: World Cup? Um, in a word, no. Um, I think they've done very well so far, Pakistan, and it's really quite spooky when you see sort of the results that they've had so far. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they make the semi-finals, but I can't see them going on to repeat the 92. Uh, heroics now how about you
1: well i mean my heart says that's a likelihood but my head says you are absolutely right i mean what are your let's say observations as to why they can't go all the way when, it, when we talk about pakistan for example you know there are all these coincidences here right but something something in your head tells you this might not be uh, that team of 92 so what do you identify as those points maybe um i think
0: th- i mean i think they have brilliant uh, individuals um at times whether they can and and they have, have shown that they can perform very well at certain times but you you look at uh the game particularly the the india game that they played and i just think that they lack the depth and potentially some of their their key players lack the experience um and i could easily see in in uh you know at the next world cup that they will be you know, if if, if they, they they have like, like uh, keep 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 uh, growing together as a team, that they could be a real challenger. Um, but I I just think that they're lacking the depth uh, that an India or an Australia have uh, throughout their lineup. It's I, I feel similar similarly uh, about New Zealand. I think New Zealand have played very well so far, and they've got some brilliant individuals that can perform on the day. But I don't see them having the the depth and particularly in the in the bowling as you as you said, um, to be able to to really go that extra step that that you need, um and, and to be able to have everything that you need in order to to get through to 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 the win.
1: I mean, I think you have it right, but I see another point when it comes to Pakistan. Um, the inspirational leadership, you know, Sarfraz is a good captain, he's very solid. Mm-hmm. But then there is this X factor that probably Imran had, you know. He had plenty of diamonds in the rough. Akram, Inzamam, Mushtaq, probably these people, they were all actually diamonds in the rough. They were going to serve Pakistan cricket for a decade or so more to come easily, right? But um, this guy actually got the best out of his team because around him were a bunch of other supporting characters. You had these diamonds in the rough, but you had these other supporting characters, Ramiz Raja, Salim Malik, all of these people. Uh, akib javed for example he got all of these people gelling and you know all these horses pulling in the same direction so to say right that was his specialty, and uh, let's say his uh modus operandi probably this team lacks that sort of a charismatic leader in Surfras, right that's one thing for me that could be another thing that might hold them back at the very end in a crunch game it's like this you know as uh, until recently germany in you know, a football world cup used to do really well so same for netherlands but somehow against an inspirational italy or a spain they would lose in the semi final or the final i mean this has changed recently when germany has won of course but until then it used to be like that they used to play this very nice football in netherlands even very artistic football but then somehow against a slightly more uh, switched on team they would lose and i think that's that might happen to both these teams new zealand and pakistan you are absolutely right but have you looked at the you know the qualification scenarios now that you know after pakistan have won against new zealand They're making it easy for other teams like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka as well. Have you Mm -hmm. been keeping up with this, uh, you know, this, uh, let's say, equation on what needs to happen for each team to qualify? Have you looked at it?
0: uh I, I mean i've been mostly focused on england um as a as a very um a selfish uh, motivation there of, of looking at uh, what uh, what happens there but yes it's it's i mean it's a very interesting complex um picture actually so it's 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 going to be very tight and there's going to be a lot of teams be getting very close and and potentially just missing out so yeah it's 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 a very interesting one and that's as you said that is, is sort of somewhere where this format um has almost been kind of saved by by the fact that there there have been a few surprises going on so far and that there are so many teams still involved in uh, you know potentially uh, getting through to the to the to the, that fourth semi final spot
1: indeed so for example if england were to win let's say two of their two games they are going to qualify no question there right yeah. but on the other hand if they were to only win one of their games look they have two other matches left both are against uh, potentially unbeaten teams well new zealand has just lost but india is still unbeaten right so it's, it's going to be very interesting. So uh, it, it, there are a lot of dimensions there. And I really hope, you know, uh, as much as I like uh, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, all of these teams, I think England will probably clinch the uh, spot. I think India, New Zealand will make it. Australia have already made it. Right. So England will probably fight the rest off and they will make it comfortably. And I'm actually backing England to actually win the tournament. What do you think?
0: um before the tournament started I, I probably would have agreed with you um at the stage we're at now with the performances we've seen so far uh, i think india will probably be the team that will take the overall um championship um in terms of getting to the semi-finals i'm not as confident as you are about england getting through um i think the india game is going to be very difficult for them to win and then they've got to if they don't win that, then they've, they've, there's a lot of pressure on them for that final New Zealand game. Um, and they're obviously then going to be looking at sort of over their shoulder at other results as well. So it's it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a very tight one. I don't think it's going to be as comfortable as you've made it sound. I hope it is, but I don't think it's probably going to be that comfortable. Um, but the, the, you know, I was, Pleased to see India beat West Indies from a from an England fan point of view because had the West Indies won today they would have suddenly been you know not far away from being in the mix themselves as well so that that was a, a little relief for me but uh, yeah I think it's going to be very tight um, I I hope that England will just scrape through that's my that's my hope
1: all right let's then look at uh, quickly the game today that finished uh, not very long ago so it was India versus West Indies at uh, Old Trafford Manchester well. India first won the toss and elected to bat. It was it was again one of those with the tournament coming to the end uh, or near the back end of the tournament. A lot of these pitches are used. I think pitches are stodgy. There's a bit of double nature when it comes to bounce or uh, you know sometimes the ball sticks in the pitch. We don't know really, and India found it very tough. Right, so. KL Rahul made 48 of 64 and Rohit Sharma who was going strong actually was dismissed for 18 by Roach so Kohli and Rahul kept going and then uh, Shankar joined Kohli once Rahul was dismissed Kohli made a well made 72 right so and then uh, Shankar could not keep in company neither did Jadhav then it fell back on the old firm again Mr Dhoni and he was very slow and i think there's a lot of uh, criticism of the way he was playing in the social media but then this time, he was able to bat enough time to get to, you know, strike rate of 90 in the end. He made 56 of 61. Hardik Pandya played a very important role. He made 46 of 38 and made sure there was no pressure on Dhoni right up to the 45th over or so. All in all, India came up to 268 for 7, right? So, Quartrell took 2 for 50, Roach 3 for 36, and then Holder took uh, 2 for 33. All excellent bowling. I think uh, Carlos Brathwaite was a bit costly, uh, gave away 33 runs in his three hours, and then Roshan Thomas as well gave away 63 runs in his seven hours. So when it came their turn to bat, I think the Indian team bowling is really chomping at the bit, so to say. So Shami and uh, Bumrah started really strongly. They were really denying runs to Gale and Ambris, and Gale got out to Shami. He was caught first just six. And then Ambris, who was sort of showing a lot of maturity, he was taking time absorbing the pressure, made 31 of 40, but then was out LBW to Pandya. Shai Hope was dismissed very early on, he just made five. And then Nicholas Puran and uh, Hetmeyer, let's say the future of the West Indian middle order batting, these two made not a lot of contributions. So Puran just 28 and Hetmeyer 18. That meant now it was middle order. Usually their middle order somehow contributes, somehow makes up. They almost did that also in the New Zealand game, that thriller, right? Unfortunately, in this game, they couldn't. So, Holder made 6, Brathwaite 1, Allen 0. And then it fell back on the tail-enders to try to stretch the game, but they couldn't do much. So, Roach made 14, Cottrell 10, and then they were 143 all out. When it comes to the bowling figures, Shami was, again, excellent. He finished for another with another 4-4, four, 4-16 four, four in his 7 overs, or 6.2 overs. Bumrah took 2 of 9 of 6 overs, so this is how restrictive he was. He was unhittable, literally, today. And then Pandya took one for 28, Kuldeep the one for 35 of nine. And then Chahal took two for 39 of seven as well. So all in all, it was a comprehensive victory for India, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it really was. Um, I mean, I, I looked at the score after the, the India innings and um, I hadn't I hadn't sort of seen seen too much of it. But uh, it, it felt as if it might be a little short Um for for uh the talk that they needed if West Indies battered to their full potential um but the uh Indian bowling just did not allow for that at all as you say Bumrah was was excellent uh and Shami taking four for sixteen off six point two overs is just you know amazing and i think they they were just a bit blown away by by superior bowling um to be honest um there's just nobody. Nobody got in, and and really, you felt like they were going to be the ones to 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 sort of anchor that innings. Um, poor thought played sort of tried to do that a little bit um, with 28 off 50, but I, I just felt that he wasn't. You know, there was there was nobody that you felt was going to be the ones to to really anchor that innings and 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 allow some others to 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 go on and make a score like like um, they had done um, in in the New Zealand game. So yeah, I mean they they always. Um, you know, you look at Chris Gale and he is such a danger man that he goes cheaply and then other wickets start to fall early. You, you know, it it, it it had sort of a sense of inevitability around it at one point, really, because uh, the wickets just sort of kept consistently falling and there was never a spell and never a partnership that that really got going and you felt that they were going to um you know stick stick together long enough to to really cause any damage particularly once that third wicket fell um for um 71 um that that really felt like it and there was there was no other partnership building at all there and um as you say it was you know it wasn't the easiest of conditions but uh, the india bowling just really took it away from the west indies there and they they showed showed really why uh how they are you know quite a dangerous team um and 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 you know they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and I th- for me, India are the, are the team to beat. Um, you know that that's that's going to be really interesting to see how they go on from there. Um, and it was it was actually interesting. I thought that that um, this was sort of the first time that that sort of uh, Indian middle order. So the, they've lost sort of um, a few wickets uh, and uh, the, they've really got into that middle order. They've not really been tested that much so far, um, and I think that was going to be an interesting. Sort of key to victory for anyone to beat them is is to get a few wickets early and really get into that middle order and uh, and and see what 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 pressure you can put them under because we've not really seen it too much so far from the uh, from India so that that will be interesting moving forward but at the moment they're looking very good and their bowling is just uh, yeah exceptional Bumrah and Chami opening opening up uh, just uh, look look excellent
1: indeed there were some failures in the top of the order but somehow somebody in the top three manages to stay. Mm-hmm. And speaking of somebody in the top three, Kohli was named the man of the match for his 72. I, I was a bit surprised that he was named man of the match ahead of somebody like Shami. But, you know, at least when it comes to records, Kohli has now topped 20,000 international runs. Uh, in the duration of this innings, he did that. And he's gotten there in just 417 innings, right? And then it's like he's um, much, much ahead of somebody whose second was Tendulkar and Lara. They both took 453 innings to get to 20,000 international runs. This guy is like a phenomenon right now right and he's just turning 30 so he's probably got a couple or three more years of really good batting left god knows i mean he might he might scale more peaks as they say that's one thing the other thing you're absolutely right let's say the there is a soft underbelly to this indian batting right so you could see that when shankar and Jadha failed a lot of pressure fell on dhoni and if he can't really score very quickly suddenly not a lot of runs are coming, right? And then you see that India might end up with a slightly subpar total. Okay, this was a used pitch, probably, you know, the ball was sticking in the pitch. Uh, the same thing happened when it came, the West Indies turned to bat, because they needed a fast start with the bat, and they couldn't get that. So with Gale and Umbris tied down, and Hope also dismissed early, They couldn't get that platform of 80 for one of, uh, you know, 14 overs, 13 overs or something that was very important if they had to mount a successful chase because once the shine of the ball was lost, the spinners would take over and then the scoring would get a bit tough, right? And that's exactly how it turned out. But all in all, I think you captured it right when you said it it did seem a bit one-sided. So all the parts of the Indian, let's say, team machinery seemed to be working and seemed to be in good order. So you know, as you say, maybe they have a good chance as well. Maybe they may go all the way in this tournament. Now, if you were to go on, if you were to look at some of the World Cup news, so did you see that uh, Gale, Chris Gale, who had announced that he would retire after the World Cup from one day years, has done a U turn? Did you see this?
0: I did see that. Yeah, he's 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 decided that he he may go on and may play in in as I think all format of the game he was suggesting. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite sure. Uh, where that will sit and how that how that will take going forward, but uh, and I thought it was interesting timing in when he's announced this as well, sort of partway through the tournament as well as well when they're they're sort of getting into things. So yeah, I thought it was a very very interesting announcement. But um, mm. he is he is such a, a well known figure in in the world of cricket that um, you know he's always going to garner sort of that that kind of interest, and it will be it will be interesting to see how this uh, West Indies team sort of build around him and how they how they use him with that because they've they've got some good young talented players and it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in with that um sort of over the next few years really
1: look he's also done a u-turn on the test matches so he wants to look like it looks like player test matches well against india he's sort of declared himself available for the test matches and the odis but not for the t20s and Mm -hmm. now he says he is going to retire after the india tour So I don't know what it means. Maybe, you know, he's trying to see how his body is holding up uh, with some rigorous matches coming up in the World Cup. And maybe he says, you know, I'm ready for a test. Do you see him actually breaking into the Test 11 for West Indies? Uh,
0: I think so. I certainly think it's possible. Um... I I don't I don't know what his cuz I mean he's had a bit of a fractious relationship with the the sort of selectors and the the cricket board in the West Indies before so I I don't know how much discussion he's had in before and he knows whether he's likely to be selected or whether this is just a a sort of a declaration a sort of a come and get me plea um but I mean I, you know I think for Chris Gayle uh, in form would probably hmm. certainly be on the fringes of that team and for, for the test, yeah, he could certainly have an impact, um, but but whether he will make it and, and what that relationship will be like, I don't know. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, going forward. Look, at least the
1: acrimonious uh, relationship is probably a thing of the past with uh, you know the former manager of the World T20 team now being the head of WICB. There is a chance, you know, that's why he was probably brought back into the fold. Also, other people like Pollard now stand a chance of playing. But at the end of the day, Somehow, I think the test match team should not be disturbed with Campbell and Brathwaite and all those people opening. They have a steady opening partnership that's sort of doing the job for already a year or so. I would say don't, don't disturb that. Maybe he he even though he's ready to play a test, I would recommend maybe he's played his last test, right? But if he wants to play in the one-dayers, he should definitely be continued or he should definitely play because even in the previous match, he showed that with his 87, that was a good innings, right? In a tough match. So... Probably red ball cricket. We don't know if his body can stand all five days, you know, being in the field for two days plus, then coming out and batting and keep on batting for a day or two, you know, that's probably a bit tough. But well, it's his call, of course, at the end of the day, and the call of the selectors. It is very tempting to not not pick somebody who has three triple hundreds or, yeah, it's, it's very tough. Yeah. I think two triple hundreds. So it's very tough. So all all in all, I mean, it's an interesting thing that he's done a turnaround, but I think there's still scope for uh, the universe boss to play a bit more international cricket for sure, right?
0: So it'll uh, be very, very entertaining when he does it as well. So
1: Indeed. Now, that's the other thing, the the chill the chill factor and the coolness he brings to whatever he does, that helps too, for sure. All right. Now, the other important news that we've uh, heard from the World Cup is that, well, Shirzad has replaced Alam. After Alam, the Afghani fast bowler has been sent home for some disciplinary reasons, and Shirzad has replaced him. Syed Ahmed Shirzad has replaced him. It looks like there has been some exceptional circumstance, that's what they say, and some very big breach of uh, discipline that has happened from Alam, and therefore he's been sort of immediately sent back home. That's a, that's not a savoury thing to hear, and maybe it's a blow to the Afghani team as well. What do you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's not something you ever want to hear coming out of, of, of any team, really, um, and in the middle of a tournament where they, they've maybe not performed as well as some people thought they they might do um i don't know whether this is is connected to it to any of that if this is just a sort of a a minor thing that nobody knows they've been very sort of tight-lipped with everything which is probably the way it should be um to try and minimize the distraction for the rest of the team um but yeah it's, it's not the kind of thing you ever want to see um, particularly for a team like Afghanistan they've just got test status you know they're really trying to make an impact on, on the world stage you really want to see their best players and their best team there and performing to their best of ability so um, I don't know what it is but it'll be an interesting one I mean there's there's parallels um, for, for, for me from an England point of view with, with the Alex Hales debate that's been ongoing um, and obviously we know a little bit more about what he has done and whether he should be picked and there's a big debate going on uh, at the moment with uh, with him for for, uh, for England and I don't know whether there are parallels there or not but it seems to have been um, sort of done very quickly and very swiftly mm-hmm. and de- depending on what that is I think they seem to have handled it in the right way if it had to happen they've done it in the right way and it's been handled internally and you know that let's, let's just try and get on with the tournament and focus on the players who are left now really so um, yeah. yeah
1: you're probably right but You know, they say some off-field disciplinary violation, so it it might be something serious. So we'll have to wait and watch to see what comes out at a later stage, if at all, right? Well, if you look at Hales, we know he failed a drug test, pre-season drug test, but, you know, he was deselected, air quotes. They would not use the word dropped, but they use the word deselected. And they sort of felt he was not belonging to the culture of the team. That's why he was deselected. He was not respecting the team enough to make sure, you know, he would not cause such a fiasco and cause uh, distractions, unnecessary distractions to the team. As a result, he was deselected. That's the narrative we get from ECB, right? But then given that Jason Roy is struggling for fitness and then you see this big chasm right at the top of the order, based on not firing, it sort of makes sense he walks back into the team. But then... There is also the ethos of this team that they have invested in quite a lot. Since all all the way since the last World Cup, I think they are very serious about how they play the cricket both on and off the field, right? Mm-hmm. He himself knew this was probably not going to affect his chances of playing the World Cup because it was in the past. But then probably because of such an irresponsible uh, event, they decided to deselect him. So I think I think he would still not be welcome into this eleven simply because of uh, that the attitude that he carries with himself, so to say, right? But then if you just, keep out those things and if you were to look at cold facts he's probably the best opener uh, in a limited overs game for England and he should be there right mm-hmm. so we don't know how it's going to go but it would be interesting if England were to get him back don't you
0: think absolutely yeah it'd be really interesting uh, the thing that, that that sort of slightly annoyed me about the way it was handled from an England point of view is that they picked him in the squad when they already knew about all of the the drugs and everything else that had happened and then when it became public then they dropped him and it it, it seemed pretty poorly handled from a, from an ECB point of view. Um, if they knew about it all beforehand, they should have just not had him anywhere near the team and, and not even had him in the discussion. And then that would have sort of made things a little bit smoother, I think. But they they tried they tried to fudge it. it. It kind of blew up in their face. And um, now they're left in that position where it's, it's very difficult to see them going back. I, I suspect what they will do is do everything they can to get Jason Roy um, fit and playing and ready for the India game um, because I, I don't see how they can bring him back um, at this stage, to be honest. So uh, yeah, they've. they've so, so I feel they've, they've a little bit shot themselves in the foot in the way that they handled it. But if it's right for him not to be there, then they, he just should have never been anywhere near the, the squad to start with. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. But I, I expect Jason Roy to be, uh, so even if he's standing on one leg, then, um, you know, then then I think he'll be in. You're probably right.
1: I think Jason Roy is also a very consummate team player. And, the you know, the quick starts he provides. And if he's back in the 11, I think Johnny Birstow also, so, so to say, regain his mojo. Let's see how that goes, right? Yeah. Moving on, if you were to look at um, some news from outside of the cricketing field, at least the World Cup, we've just got to know that Marcus Trescothic has decided to retire at the end of this county season. So what are your thoughts on this, Jonathan
0: uh i i'm i'm sad to see him go he he is uh he's one of my favorite players when i was sort of uh, growing up he was he was like the the opening uh batsman for england test team um you know i mean he's had an excellent career he is now uh 43 years old so he's he's gone on playing for a long long time um but he he's somebody that that has uh sort of struggled he always struggled when going away from home he, he struggled with um his mental health and 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 uh, depression and he's been really vocal in in sort of talking about that in the last few years which has been really good and uh, highlighted a lot of um issues that sports people have and often feel they can't talk about so for somebody sort of high profile like him to come and talk about things like that has, has been excellent um but he's just an excellent excellent open opening batsman he's left left hand uh um he had great um partnership particularly with uh sort of michael vaughan and 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 people um sort of around that era um and just just one of, one of the sort of most naturally talented uh unruffable he he's just a, a great opening batsman for for England and uh, it will be a shame he's he's played for um uh, Somerset and he's been an absolute stalwart for them over the last few years since he's retired from the england scene um and just goes on to get big big scores and uh, yeah he's, he's, he's just an, an excellent all-round cricketer and a, a genuinely nice man from everything that you can hear about him and he's he's done an awful lot for both England cricket and, and for, for, for sports people around the world so um, yeah it's, it's, it's sad to see him go but um, yeah
1: so indeed he, he did really well and when you look at his you know record internationally it is not very shabby either you know he, he had enough runs internationally. He made 5,825 Test runs, average of close to 44, right? And then also 4,335 runs with an average close to 38 for England. That was okay. And when he found it tough to tour, also to decide that he would stay at home, it's not bad. You see that there is still a, a as long a career probably playing for England as a outside of it now. And he's done really well because, you know. 19,654 runs for the county, an average of 41. It, it's not it's not insignificant. And, of course, he has also taken 445 catches, right? Yeah. So, all in all, I think he's, he retires as a stalwart for uh, Somerset. And, uh, you know, he would be compared to the likes of, you know, Harold Gimblet and people of like that for the county. So, he's done really well there. But, yeah, we wish uh, Trescothic all the best once he hangs up his boots with the rest of his career or with the rest of his life and whatever he decides to do with it. Maybe he goes into media, maybe he goes into training I mean, as a coach. you know, We don't know. Let's see. Right. Now, uh, we've covered all the important news that we wanted to do. So we move on to the trivia section. So the trivia question for the previous episode was before the England and Australia game, right, the England-Australia game in the World Cup, when was the last time two new ball bowlers took nine wickets among themselves in a World Cup game against a test playing country? So that is the real punch in that. So, well, it was a trick question. Let me be very clear about it. (laughs) We had a couple of specific users in mind who are always fact-finding and who go into it in a bit of detail when we ask a question. So it was sort of targeted at them. One of those is Yogesh. So he actually managed to get the answer right, surprisingly or unsurprisingly. The answer to this question is never. Until now, In a World Cup game, only uh, two times have bowlers, the opening two bowlers, taken nine wickets in a game. So one was Vasim Akram and Shoa against Namibia in 2003. The other was Suleiman Ben and Kimar Roach, who on that day opened the bowling, against Netherlands in 2011. But this was the first instance of two opening bowlers taking nine wickets against a test playing nation. So it was a trick question. And Yogesh has got it right. So congratulations. And I also hope, you know, others, we got a couple of half answers. So we also encourage those people to go a bit deeper. You get the answer, right? So... Good luck with that. So the trivia question for this episode is, what is the most number of buys considered in a ODI match and in which match? The hint we can give is if you have been following cricket very closely over the last couple of days, you probably know the answer to this, right? <laughs> All right. You could get in touch with us, give us the answers to your questions, uh, you know, via social media platforms, at Armchair Crickpod, through our Facebook page, or, you know, you could write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com, you know. Uh, We have plenty of uh, digests coming up as well. We'll also have some guests joining us. So I hope you guys do stay tuned in. So I would like to say thank you to Jonathan from the wrong end of the stick podcast. So, Jonathan, uh, do you have anything to plug?
0: uh i certainly can yes yeah, thank you very much for having me i've really enjoyed my uh time here having a having a chat with you um so if anybody would like to listen to uh, the wrong end of the stick podcast we are available on itunes uh spotify and all major podcast providers so just search for us there we are also on twitter uh, and i'm fairly active on twitter so please do uh give us a give us a shout on there and uh for that i am at wrong end podcast um or one word and uh yeah just get in touch with us and and uh have always happy to come and have a chat about cricket so um thank you very much for having me i really enjoyed it and uh, i look forward to hopefully coming on again soon
1: indeed Jonathan, it was an absolute pleasure so another thing i would like to say is for those of us listening and participating please do keep doing it this encourages us we are fan podcasts and If possible, on whichever platform you listen to our podcast, be it ours or Wrong End of the Stick podcast, subscribe on it so you get the latest episodes and also leave a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, of course. This would really encourage us and give us a good feeling about what we're doing
0: and give us some inspiration, right?
1: All right, then, Jonathan. Thanks a lot for the chat. And uh, yeah, let's maybe catch up again soon.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much, Ajay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.